Street. And welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. This week, I'm thrilled to have Squid guest on the show. Their debut album, Bright Green Field, was released this past Friday and simultaneously crowned Rough Trade Album of the Month for May. The Bristol-based Five Pieces particular brand of musicality is always undeniably Squid, exhilarating, considered, and always, always forward-thinking. Their debut album is, you'll be happy to learn, Absolutely no exception. I caught up with Ollie, Arthur and Louis from the band just ahead of release day to chat preparation, style, camaraderie and making an album with Dan Carey. Plus all the details on their live recording for Record Store Day 2021, the first drop of which is coming up super, super soon. June 12th, get it in your diaries and we'll see you there. At the time of recording, it is pretty much a month to the day that our UK stores reopened. And what a welcome back it has been from you guys. The shops have been absolutely bloody buzzing. Thank you so, so much for all of the incredible support in these first few weeks and for keeping our shop floors a really happy yet safe space to browse. We have more good news on the way too. As you may have noticed, we have started announcing in-stores again. Yes, actual in-the-flesh events are back, fingers crossed, as of July. Um, And you can head online to roughtrade.com slash events for all the latest listings including a trio of in-stores from the brilliant snapped ankles who will be celebrating their new album which arrives this summer like everybody else i cannot bloody wait to go to a gig again let alone go to a gig in a record store so yeah bring it on as always some fresh rough trade edit highlights to showcase this week and first up we have a fantastic new album from the late great tony allen There Is No End is a collaboration Alan was working on before his death last year, born from a desire to work with younger artists and especially the new generation of rappers. These songs feature a collection of rhythms that guests from Sampa the Great to Tsunami to Danny Brown feature on. Um, The resulting album captures the spirit of Tony Allen really, really wonderfully and is a beautifully cohesive posthumous outing that serves his legacy so, so well. Here is a taster of the track with Sampa the Great. This is Stumbling Down. Let's talk about the science of how things break. How the heart breaks. How the age founders shatters with no one listening. How the mind quakes. How we lose all that matters. Oh, the music of the bones. Music of sage and white stones. Next up, and Girl in Red is the project of Norwegian artist Marie Ulven, dubbed an internet sensation after she rose to prominence publishing her early singles on SoundCloud. Long-awaited debut album If I Could Make It Go Quiet is inspired by Marie's own trials and tribulations with mental health and sexuality. Her music and her character are equal in their honesty and authenticity. This is a shining indie pop record full of catchy and intelligent songs. It is an album I am so certain will delight her hundreds and thousands of fans and see her gain many, many more. Here is one from the album. This is The Brilliant Girl in Red and Body and Mind. I've been in the deep end since I realized There is a difference between body and mind I 
Next, an alpha mist is one of the driving forces behind a young and vibrant scene of UK musicians who have taken on jazz as their musical narrative. With his new album, Bring Backs, the producer, self-taught pianist and rapper takes us on a sonic trip back to his beat-making past on the streets of East London through the depth and musicality he discovered composing and playing jazz. This record has been a really, really big hit with Rough Trade staff and one I am so, so sure will be on many a best of the year list come December. It is such an immersive, engaging, wonderfully woven album of songs that sits so seamlessly alongside each other. Um, If you are a newcomer to the more contemporary jazz sound, I would say let this be your introduction. It is such an effortlessly cool record. Here is one of my favourites. This is Alpha Mist and Organic Rust. Serious face, cause it's really a race. Trying to stabilize while my health deteriorates. My fever leaves me in delirious state. Now I'm growing weary of fakes. Here to replace, they cheer me away. Until they hear a mistake. I don't want to lose my drive, so I'm steering away. Plus, I got a call saying that a period's late. So I'm opening my calendar and clearing the dates. It's fate, I'm just a battler. Too black to be tattered up a hunter and gatherer. Finally this week and hailing from Essex, Dodie started out her career uploading songs to YouTube and then some nine years and millions of views and streams later she releases her eagerly anticipated debut album Build a Problem. Her affecting and intimate writing and singing style has seen her gain a huge dedicated audience and this album delivers on all the promise of her early EPs with complex and charming songs drenched in her sweet and sophisticated folk pop. Here is a really, really lovely one from the record. This is Dodie and Rainbow. I was not to be trusted. Well, how can I be proud of what a million people shouted me? I'm So please step inside my soul. I'd love to what you got. And that wraps our edit highlights for this week, but there is so much more new music to discover following a few bumper new release weeks in a row. Um, You can head to roughtrade.com or visit us in store to explore all the new albums we are shouting about right now. As ever, if you are enjoying the show and can spare a few moments to leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts, we would be so, so grateful. Um, You can also follow and subscribe on Spotify, where we have a really nifty little playlist combining the episodes along with the tracks featured in the podcast. I will stick the link in the show notes so that you can hit that up if you so wish. Squid finally graced us with their debut album last Friday, and man, was it worth the wait. Catching up with these guys just ahead of release day was such a lovely treat for me, as like many of you, I've been a fan since 2018 and have been looking forward to this album for some time now uh to my ears it does not disappoint thank you so much for listening enjoy this interview and i will catch you in the next one squid welcome to the rough trade edit podcast Hello. Hi. Hey, yo. <laughs> 
Um, I just want to say first up a huge congratulations on your debut album and obviously we feel it is so fantastic and so fantastic in that we have crowned it our album of the month for May. Thank you. You're welcome. We're so, so excited to have it as our album of the month. I think we've got a Rough Trade exclusive red vinyl edition, I believe it is, which is pretty nifty and selling very fast as we speak. <laughs> um, so the album is dubbed a collection of songs that explore the ever-changing environment we live in. Um, I believe you recorded the album in Bristol last year with producer Dan Carey. Um, no stranger, of course, to working with you guys. He previously worked with you on your Town Centre EP and some earlier singles. Um, so I'll come back to working with Dan in a little bit, but I first wanted to touch on the period in which this album was recorded. So obviously the last 12 to 14 months have been incredibly disruptive um, for the entire industry. And I guess it's pretty safe to say that the recording process for you guys was probably very different to how you initially envisaged it? Yeah, to some to some degree. I mean, uh, it was kind of a crazy time of like a lot of the things that we were planning on doing for that whole year were just getting cancelled every week, you know, it'd be like, like a new thing every week that we were really looking forward to doing that was uh, cancelled. Um, but actually the album recording, which we had booked in already, um, and was kind of the kind of highlight of our year that we were looking forward to the most of anything kind of didn't really change it, it um, obviously it kind of our approaches for the album recording were very different because normally we would have been touring um, and actually instead we had a lot of time apart from each other and then we had a few weeks where we could work together before we started recording it working really hard on all the album tracks um, but actually we were just, we felt so lucky and so happy that um, this like really big one event for the year didn't um, mm. get stopped. Um, yeah. So yeah, we feel really, really lucky and really happy that we managed to get it done. Yeah. When it was all kind of unraveling, you know, how kind of big the situation was becoming with the pandemic, was there ever any panic or worry from your side um, that, the album wasn't going to be made in the way that you had wanted it to be? I don't think so. I think it, um, yeah, like Anton said, we had quite a lot more time to really finesse the album. And I think like the only worry was like when the, because it was very early on in the pandemic that we were keeping, um, everyone kind of safe and comfortable I guess because Dan Dan's studio in in Streatham is in his family house so mm -hmm. there was kind of like a lot of people to to worry about his his um his uh, wife and and kids so there were it was kind of yeah it was more kind of things like that that changed the album um, recording, but the actual physical recording of the album was was pretty much the same as it's always been with Dan, which was nice because it was kind of like yeah, it was like the one thing that, that felt like it didn't change throughout the whole of the pandemic. 
like we we expected to go in and play on those synthesizers and kind of forget about the pandemic for a little bit yeah that was nice in that sense did the fact that you had down on board and obviously you worked together before did that kind of alleviate any kind of worry in a way because it it was quite familiar like working with him and it was you just felt really comfortable with what you had to do etc yeah definitely like there were moments where it was just you did kind of forget what was going on because you were just kind of in the zone I guess mm. just doing doing what we've done before with Dan it's really nice yeah I um I had Goat Girl on the podcast early in the year whose second record obviously was also produced by Dan and they obviously spoke so wonderfully of working with him and how excited they were to have him on board again for their second record um would you kind of echo that sentiment like was it like very clear from the off when you were planning recording this album that you wanted to work with Dan again I think so we um we'd worked on on the sludge and broadcaster kind of double a side single earlier on in 2020 and we were kind of toying with the idea of of you know whether it's possible to do an album in the same year um and it kind of became quite clear mm -hmm. when we were doing that that it was um we just yeah you know we we'd always worked with him before ever since we recorded the dial with him in like 2018 he's the only person we've the only producer we've worked with um and it just felt like the right fit you know we've got to know him on a personal level so well over the last two or so years yeah um, and every time we've worked on the project we've always said you know like if this is fun think of what an album's going to be like yeah. so it just it, it, there wasn't really too much of a question about it i suppose um and yeah, the familiarity, like Ollie said, you know, coming into his family home is so, so important. I think it makes up what makes the recording process just such a nice, friendly one. And when we were working with him on Bright Green Field, we'd finish in the evening. And he kind of like knows everyone on his street as well. So he'd get like the pizza guys over from the shop opposite the road to come over with tables and chairs and we'd sit outside. And yeah, it just felt like a really kind of uh, sort of friendly bonding experience as well as it was a musical one yeah and not just dan but also lex who um uh, engineers all of dan's stuff um he worked on the whole record as well so and like he's just such a nice guy and it's so amazing mm. at his job and him and dan have such an incredible working relationship um so yeah he was like an incredibly important person in mm. um, making this record as well yeah do you think, I guess this is the first album you guys have made, do you think having that kind of experience and that kind of family orientated kind of vibe to it just made it so much more less daunting in a way? Like were, were you ever kind of, was there any kind of nerves around recording a debut record? Is there, do you guys grapple with any kind of level of expectation? Obviously you're now signed to Warp and been building for quite a long time. Do you feel like the fans and even like critics, etc. not that you necessarily have to worry about them. Do you feel like there's this expectation from that side that you have to make something like so incredible? I think it was kind of, yeah, the other way around because the first time we ever went into his studio and recorded was just one single coming out on Speedy Wonderground. Mm. And we'd never really hung out as a band with Dan before and we didn't know Lex and the whole kind of like, you're in a recording studio now and you're gonna play your part and you've gotta play it really well because you've only got one track to do, always seemed a little bit kind of daunting. And then when we did the EP with him, 
we got to know him so much more. So by the time we're doing a full length album, I think it's kind of, it was flipped on its head. I think maybe in a way we felt the least amount of expectation. Yeah. We, you know, we'd grown to know him so well outside of just the recording process. Um, I think the expectation just really came from our, ourselves. You know, like we were trying to attempt a lot more. There were a lot more songs and I think we'd pushed our musicianship and musicality in ways that we, we really thought we needed to do. Um, so yeah, maybe just the expectation came from us and, and less so with Dan on the album. I guess like your music kind of, I never feel that it's fitted into a particular box and kind of since you guys have emerged with those early singles, it's been like super fascinating to watch you guys really like grow and experiment. I wondered if there was an idea to kind of maintain quite an kind of abstract outlook from the beginning and were you anyway cautious um, kind of not to conform to any particular style or genre? I think um yeah again kind of echoing what louis said saying the expectation is usually from ourselves i think we're always the we all, we're always very cautious of doing something that's kind of already being done in some ways um so yeah, I think yeah, we're kind of our own worst critics in in some way. If like we yeah, if we're writing a song and then someone says, "Oh, that sounds like that tiny bit in that other song," we kind of just <laughs> immediately go off of it and kind of bin it. That's after a, a two second moment of maybe potential flattery. <laughs> what what is it that you feel about? your music and maybe particularly looking obviously ahead to this record coming out what is it about your music that you think connects with people um I guess particularly when you play live which is obviously when you're kind of in your element and where the music is probably best realized <laughs> I, I suppose that's I don't know I suppose it's not really for us to say I think what we're trying to do is just have a lot of fun making and performing music um in a way that feels exciting to us at, at every stage mm -hmm. um, like the, the writing's got to be fun the recording of it's got to be fun and we, we're performing it in a way that we find exciting as well and those three things have always got to be kind of they don't have to be the same but they have to have like really clear relationships between each other mm -hmm. um so that's kind of in a nutshell, what our process is. Um, so I suppose, yeah, it's just for whoever enjoys it to say why they like that, but that's why we, we like doing what we do, we do I suppose. Yeah. Does it kind of surprise you sometimes how the momentum is kind of gone and that you kind of obviously signed to Warp and got a record and could you ever have kind of foreseen that like three four years ago was yeah. it, with, is it a bit of a whirlwind <laughs> yeah it's been, it's been absolutely crazy like, yeah you have to kind of pinch yourself sometimes I think but um we had yeah kind of talking about last last year um we had so many like mad things planned mm. you know like places we were going to go um and 
that we had never even dreamed that we'd ever be able to do. I think, well, I think, I mean, when, when we first got managers, I think our ambition was to maybe play one or two shows in Europe, um, if, if at all possible. Every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and maybe do a UK tour one day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, last year we were kind of planning tours uh, in, in different continents and um, that felt crazy. But then when everything got cancelled, it felt like, uh, yeah, reality was kicking back in. So it's kind of like, uh, of course, we're not going to Japan. Yeah. Yeah, that was never going to happen. <laughs> that was never going to happen. <laughs> so, um, in a way, that was easier, easier to deal with, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but we, we never ever dreamed that anything like this would ever happen. It, it was a long time like after playing music together that we ever considered ourselves a band. So like, um, yeah, having this kind of momentum feels pretty special mm. and pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. I guess like you touched on, obviously talking about last year and everything that was planned and obviously subsequently everything has been kind of canceled or postponed. Um, I was chatting to Black Country New Road at the beginning of the year, obviously ahead of their debut record. And we kind of spoke about this feeling of community and like even though it was a really tough year there was a bit of a support network out there in as much as you're all kind of in the same boat and dealing with the same challenges mm. um, obviously in any normal year you'd have festival appearances an international tour like you mentioned um and kind of be riding that live circuit with everybody else do you feel like the absence of that has made you feel more isolated from your peers in any way or would you kind of say that you've found ways to kind of continue those connections well I think when you talk about community it's so important and we're really lucky that there's five of us in the band and talking to black country I'm sure they'd say the same with seven or eight people on stage um we've kind of talked about and and wondered about how difficult it must be if you are performing you know as a solo act and you haven't yet managed to find you know, support from a label or support from managers. So you had a whole kind of 2020 of of kind of doing it alone. So I think in the grand scheme of things, we don't feel like there's been too much of an absence of that from not having been on tour because mm. we've had a lot of people around us supporting us throughout the whole year and things. I mean, on a kind of community level, I think we all really miss the important kind of atmosphere of when you are away on tour and you're seeing the same faces and then meeting new ones and then seeing new music and learning from those musicians that you see on a kind of weekly basis. That's where I think the kind of biggest absence has been, um, that kind of intimate um, level of inspiration from seeing live shows all the time and making friends. Oh. But, yeah, we're, we're, I think in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're pretty lucky with the five of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Rather than it would be, I imagine it's probably been quite tough if you were just a, a solo artist or maybe didn't have, yeah, uh, much of a team around you. Um, and I guess playing live is such a huge part of your identity as a band and kind of how you evolve and kind of grow your music. With the absence of it for such a long period, is there a bit of trepidation about going on stage and kind of performing songs that you either haven't played live much or even maybe at all? to audiences I guess some of the songs in the record you wouldn't have played to anybody mm. yeah I think yeah I think there's kind of like a nervous excitement about it because yeah there are a lot of songs from the album that we haven't played and they're quite like a 
not all of them are kind of as as raucous as as some people might remember us. So it's kind of it'll be strange going back to playing gigs and then playing these kind of softer kind of songs, I guess. Like um yeah, like we've been away for a year and we've matured and now we're gonna play slow jams. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um no I think I think we're all just really excited. And it's kind of also the thing like people are people have missed gigs so much they'll they'll take anything. So we can <laughs> we can be as terrible as we want. <laughs> Do whatever we want in the perfect <laughs> position. But we're also playing, like, the first tour back is all these small venues kind of off the beaten track around the UK. Um, we're going to places like Falmouth and Bexhill and, you know, lots of small communities that I think have been really missing out because where you're kind of like a village or a town and you don't even have that kind of ability to, you know, often be able to walk down the road and, and be in a place where you feel like, you're kind of experiencing you know music when it's being performed in like a park or something so when we when we go on tour I think it's going to be nice for us as well because we're kind of easing back in and these little venues I think some of the capacities because it's socially distanced it's going to be so tiny so therefore it'll be pretty intimate as well and hopefully for those people attending in different communities around the UK it will be a really nice experience because yeah, there's not always kind of bands that come by those those ends. Yeah, that's such a nice idea, actually. And I guess probably for most people, the focus has been reach as many people in one hit as possible when you're kind of touring again. So that's, yeah, such a nice idea to kind of hit those lesser reached communities and give mm-hmm. them community. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um, you did play, uh, I'm going to bring up records today because you obviously recorded a live to vinyl session for record store day um this year which i think was two tracks um from the new album um one of which was broadcast on six music which was awesome i listened to it it was really great but was it pretty nerve-wracking doing that like not much room for error sort of thing or did you just kind of go with it uh it was pretty nerve-wracking i was absolutely terrified (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it was was kind of quite an unfamiliar unfamiliar environment for us because we were in this kind of like really big, very posh studio mm. uh, that felt very professional. There was kind of, there was uh, like talk of um, really famous music stars knocking about <laughs> in other rooms, which was like, watch out for Bono. <laughs> um, so that was, that was pretty unfamiliar. And then also we were trying out um, arrangements that we'd never uh, done before which was really cool and the musicians we worked with were, were amazing and and so nice um uh, but obviously it was kind of like a bit of a challenge for us um, mm. uh but then also throwing that it was being cut to vinyl live and also being broadcast live on six music it was kind of and there were just so many clocks everywhere like yeah. when it came to performing <laughs> there was probably about like seven mic stands all with these huge Clocks. I still don't really know what they were yeah. for, something to do with starting and stopping on time. <laughs> the clocks were adding insult to injury. I had this moment where we were rehearsing for the thing, for the for the broadcast with all the session musicians in a line in front of me. And I just had this moment where as soon as I sat down, I thought, I've never played music with anyone other than you four. 
in the script. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. They've all got tubers. They've all got cellos, <laughs> double bass. <laughs> but they were all so nice as well. Like it was a nice, I think it was quite a nice thing for them because some of the musicians had, you know, been through going, they've been going through a similar thing to us. And we were like, what have you been up to over the last six or so months? And they were like, uh, nothing really. So like, it was really nice for them to be able to, to come in and play again. And um, I think it'd be nice to work with some of them again as well. It was, um, there was just a really nice kind of point where we, we were arranging kind of these parts in a way that we'd completely never done before um, because we were doing the, the brass section and the string section separately and when it came to kind of putting them all into the same document at first we were like oh my god what what have we done this is so this is so strange but when we heard it played by real real musicians who can play their instrument very well it suddenly kind of all came together yeah did it kind of inspire you maybe to yeah sort of thinking beyond bright green field like what the future might hold and what you guys might kind of next definitely yeah yeah i think well i i mean i didn't do any of the legwork really with the with the scoring but i think it kind of made um us realize that we can we can be more ambitious i guess and kind of we can do stuff like that which was which is really nice mm. how much time did you have to prepare for that and whose decision or idea was it to kind of make that? Well, when we were recording, because it was two tracks from the album we did, it was the track 2010 and Documentary Filmmaker. And when we were at Dan's last summer recording, we were kind of thinking there and then when we were cutting for the album versions, like these would be so nice to take them into a world where there's extra musicians. And especially 2010, we always thought, you know, because musically for us, it was quite a, it was quite a, a sort of pivotal piece of music because we were starting to confuse ourselves in the writing process in a way that we hadn't done before. So we were like, let's confuse ourselves more and, and do some arrangements for strings. So, um, yeah, we, I guess we had a kind of like almost a year to sit on it, but it was only up until about three weeks before we kind of decided we were going to do it and just slowly worked on little ideas, some of, some of the ideas that were in the album version and some that were totally new. And then just kind of, I think I had one sleepless night the night before we recorded, just being like, oh my God, I hope the musicians don't hate us for giving, giving them bad scores, but they were all good. <laughs> well, I'm really excited for it to come out. I'm sure they will not hang around for long. I think it's the second um, Record Store Day drop that's coming out, isn't it? So yeah, that's going to be a real highlight. Um, you mentioned that some of the tracks on Bright Greenfield, you know, the pace is is slower and not quite, kind of as, maybe as fast as some people have sort of experienced from your previous singles and things. Was that, was it quite important when you were making this record that you wanted to change things up a bit and not kind of continue to make stuff that maybe people would either expect or, you know, that was too similar to stuff that you'd done before? Did you want to go in quite a different direction with some parts of it? I think we were really conscious about the fact that we were writing an album and uh, we wanted it to have like an interesting and clear narrative throughout the whole thing, which um, we felt it wouldn't, 
you know, it wouldn't have made sense if it was like one thing the whole way through for us. And, and we're kind of naturally drawn to paradoxes and um, kind of eclecticism anyway. So, um, yeah, we were quite keen for the album to kind of snake through different feelings and different places. Um, and that, that kind of happened quite naturally without us kind of needing to talk about it too much or or um, uh, make really clear decisions about exactly where things are going to go when. Mm. Um, yeah. Did you have quite a lot of material? Did you have to kind of drop much from the record? Or do you, was it kind of quite easy to kind of select what was going to be part of that three theme, as you mentioned? I think we had all the, we didn't have any kind of spare songs or anything we kind of just wrote all the songs and um knew that that was going to be the album um yeah yeah we kind of had no no fat to trim really mm. i think that must be yeah kind of never thought about what would have happened if we'd had too much but mm. we would have been able to feel so kind of attached to the finished thing in the same way because it would feel like if we'd done technically too much, if we had an hour and a half's worth of music and had to trim off half an hour, it wouldn't be cohesive because the whole point, I think, with with us when it comes to writing an album is just every every kind of little thing in its in its right place. Yeah, I, th I think we spent most of our time like just working rather than like getting a bank of songs and then picking the best ones. We had the songs that were going to be on the album and then we just like worked really really hard on all of them individually mm. uh, and as a collective to to kind of there was a lot of I suppose the fat trimming would have been in the individual tracks and getting rid of mm. sections that we didn't need and things and uh, just making sure that every bit of every song was there for a reason um, yeah so uh, yeah I hope we did that yeah. it's something that's always really interested me like how you know when an album is finished um, and I guess it's different for every band, for every artist, but um, sounds like you guys have probably got it pretty spot on if you were kind of quite concise with the songs that you had, etc. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is a, um, a Google Drive folder with so many iPhone recordings of so many different snippets of songs that never made the cut. <laughs> so, and they're all quite, I don't know, there's quite a few bad ones. But all the good ones made the cut, so that's that's nice. Is that something you can dip back into uh, in the future for just to kind of work through, or is would you moving forward start completely afresh from the work that you've done to date? Things do have a tendency to to crop back up again, I think, with us. But um, for the most part, we've been quite busy writing since Bright Green Field got finished, um, and I think the things that we're mostly excited about things that have all been totally kind of started in the months after finishing it so yeah really new stuff stuff that kind of feels a bit more current for us yeah i wouldn't be surprised if a few things do crop up again in the future right. oh. cool well guys thank you so much for chatting to me today um obviously all the best with the record and for this year and getting back out there on tour could you pick a track from the album that we could play you guys out with today Oh, time for the argument. Time for the argument. Um, should we do 2010? Because we talked about the, the record store. 
day recording of it. Let's go with 2010, Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.